0: Well, amen. We found some new singers in the church, and so that's a blessing there. I appreciate that song, and uh, looking forward to seeing how the Lord will continue to work. Open your Bibles to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, and uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and just uh, over the last uh, opportunities that Pastor has given to me, excuse me, 2 Timothy, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 4, but over the last opportunities Pastor has given to me um, to, to preach and to teach, I dealt primarily with uh, the presence Of God has been uh, just a common theme, but uh, today I'm going to take a a little shift uh, in in, in gears here today and want to preach a a lesson today, a message on uh, finishing strong. And uh, it's it's my desire that I finish this race for the Lord, for me personally, and it's my desire that my family would finish the race for the Lord, and uh, I want to finish what I started in getting saved and serving God. And I pray that that's our desire as well. So I hope this is an encouragement and a challenge to us here today. And I would ask that you do pray for Eileen. As mentioned, uh, she'll be coming back uh, tomorrow and uh, flying back from Long Beach, uh, from the LAX um, over this way. And when we first... uh, um, flew out there, Anthony was so excited to fly in an airplane and he kept saying we're going to go to space. That was what he kept saying and uh, as we began to go and the, the plane took off and you could feel it in your stomach. You know, It feels like a roller coaster and he saw the ground get further. He, he, he wasn't too excited about that and we had to close the, the window there on him because he was uh, starting to get, he was nervous. He started crying and, and all that and he had to hold Eileen's hand and everything else and, and so he has to go through that tomorrow again. So thankfully there's no layovers anywhere just a straight shot so he'll, he'll make it back in one piece but uh, I'm looking forward to having them back uh, with us and just praying the Lord will bring them back safely and so please do that and over the last uh, week um, I tell you what uh, I, I never I, I always appreciate my wife and what she does but every once in a while you, you need a reminder of how much uh, a wife helps in a home and I I was definitely reminded this week how much I needed her and uh, Wednesday it was it was a rough day for me there we I put my alarm and and I I said okay I'll I'll hit the snooze and I didn't hit the snooze I turned it off and I woke up like 40 minutes past the time I wanted to get up and and then we come down home and and we get to or come down to the school and and then I realized I didn't have the keys to the school and so had to go back up and get the keys didn't feed the kids breakfast that day forgot their lunch all sorts of things. <laughs> and all that, and then because my mind is so focused on preaching chapel, I guess everything else is just gone. And she handles so many of those things that I don't even recognize often. And so I really do appreciate my wife. And, um, that's it's just a blessing uh, to have her back, and she helps keep things in order there in the home, just to keep things moving forward. And so men uh, appreciate your wives. Amen. Appreciate them. They do a lot. And so uh, of Second Timothy chapter four, we're going to begin in verse number one. This evening, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And let's pray this evening, asking his blessing upon the preaching. Father, as we come to you, Lord, I thank you, God, for your word. God, I thank you for what we can learn from it. And God, there's so much truth in this passage of scripture. and, And God, we need to recognize the times in which we live the, the message that we carry, God, the doctrines that you've given to us, God, the importance of remaining faithful and finishing strong. I pray by your grace, God, that everyone in this room would finish their course. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we read this passage of scripture, Paul is writing from a prison cell and he's about to be killed um, for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we in the school have gone through this book of 2 Timothy uh, many times in the since I, since I, we started in the school and, and doing devotions, and and I'm not sure if the young people remember, but the first month and a half, I taught continually on the word endure and just went through section by section about enduring and, and, and getting through things. And often when I think of the word endure, um, you know, some people think of it, they think of it as, Finishing and barely getting through. When I think of it, I think of it as finishing and finishing strong. Not just finishing, but finishing strong. And if there's anyone that finished strong... It was the Apostle Paul. Uh, whenever he, he gave his life for the faith, um, literally um, probably weeks away from dying, he's writing this passage of Scripture, and he's still encouraging God's people to do um, what is right for the Lord. And, and that should be a challenge for us. And we read this book of 2 Timothy, and uh, the word endure is mentioned five times In this one book, and only one time is it given in a negative context regarding those who would not endure sound doctrine. And so uh, we understand that there is a challenge to endure, there's a challenge to finish. Uh, I want to be a finisher, I want to finish strong. I remember Brother Adam. He used to like to run the marathons, and and we remember Brother Adam Sandoval, and he'd go out and do these different marathons. And he taught once about how he was uh, running some kind of marathon, and it was in the mountains, and they had to go up this mountain trail. So it wasn't just a, a regular kind of marathon that goes through the cities. It was uh, going up in the mountains. And as he was uh, making his way up, there was a cutoff point, and if you didn't get to a certain checkpoint by a certain time, they would send you back because you wouldn't make it to the top by the end of the day, and they didn't want people. Running around the mountains at nighttime, and so he was making. He made it his goal to get to that checkpoint, and he passed the checkpoint before the time, and he got to the top. And his reward at the top was a simple T-shirt, and all it said was, "I'm a finisher, man. I'm a finisher. I want to finish this course." And so Paul gives an example of what it is. To finish, but not just to finish, but to finish strong. And so he's writing to Timothy, a young man that he had trained in the ministry. And most likely this man, Timothy, is pastoring the church of Ephesus. And the church of Ephesus was one of the strongest churches doctrinally in the New Testament. Whenever you read about the church of Ephesus and you read all the other books that Paul wrote to other um, churches, he often has to correct them about false doctrine or about sin that's in them. But he writes the, the book of Ephesians and he's not correcting them on anything. And you remember what the Lord Jesus Christ told them how that they, they, they hated the, the work of the Nicolaitans and, and they were strong in their doctrine and so forth. They were a strong church, a very strong church. Paul had spent more time in this church as a, as a church planter than any other church he had ever been in. And he trained personally, he trained the pastor and so now he is writing the pastor and he's admonishing him and he's giving him a charge. He says there in verse four, or excuse me, verse one of chapter four, I charge thee. Um, Whenever a preacher is ordained into the gospel ministry, often um, they they, they question them. And then when they see fit that they're um, to be ordained into the gospel ministry, uh, they lay hands on them and they pray over them, and often a charge is given to them uh, a commitment to them that they would remain faithful uh, to that which they have received Uh, when I was ordained it was in that building and brother Fox was also ordained alongside with me and uh, both uh, brother Porter and brother Matthew Wooten preached the charge of our ordination and I take that very serious that charge and and you look at this uh, passage of scripture and Paul is charging Timothy and it's that same idea of continuing that which was given to them and so um, you see Paul. Paul is is burdened. Paul is concerned. Uh, Paul has a heart for this preacher that he too would finish as strong, if not stronger, than the Apostle Paul. So we see first, if we're going to finish strong, we need to recognize our charge as God's people. Particularly this charge, when you read it, the Bible says there, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. Um, quick there is referring to those who are alive. The dead, quick and dead at his appearing and his kingdom. What does he charge him to do? Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And so he, he is charging him to, to be a preacher of the word the context of this overall is that paul is writing to the pastor of a local church and the pastor is to preach the word to that local church therefore it is not only the responsibility of the pastor to preach the word it is also the responsibility of the people to be faithful to the preaching of the word of God, and so there's a two-part uh, uh, there's a there's a connection here between the two. Uh, it's one thing to, to preach, but it's another thing to preach to the the flock that God has made you to be an overseer of. And I'm thankful for the shepherd that God has given to Valley Bible Baptist Church, and and he is faithful in preaching the word of God. But so often, as he preaches the word of God and he gives the word of God, and you see the messages that come forth, uh, often they're messages that meet the needs of. God's people, but sadly... Sometimes God's people aren't there. And if they would have been in church that service, they would have heard the message they needed to hear. But for whatever reason, they were not in the house of God, and they missed that which they needed. And often, I've had it in Taos whenever I pastored there. Uh, there would be a person, they'd come and say, I'm struggling with this, or I need help in this. And and I, I would teach them on what they needed to hear. But in my mind, I'm thinking, man, they, they should have been here last Thursday when we had Thursday night service. They should have been here for Sunday school. What their are struggling with was what I, I just preached on that very thing and so you see here that Paul is telling him to preach the word but, but there needs to be people to preach to and, and this idea of preaching the word is not just the context of preaching the word in the sense of going out and giving the gospel it's preaching the word in the context of preaching it to a local church body because he deals with the uh, rebuking and exhorting and long suffering and doctrine there he, he's trying to, to help God's people to, to to get what they need and often it comes through the preaching of the word. I believe it was Lee Robertson who wouldn't counsel with the person, gone to church for an entire month, and been in Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night for an entire month straight. And they'd say, I have this problem, preacher, can can you counsel with me? And the preacher would say, well, uh, the first thing is, why don't you come to church every service for an entire month, and, and whenever that month is up, then I'll counsel with you. And he said, more often than not, most of the people that had several different problems or issues, when they came to church um, wanting to hear from God by the end of the month, they had their questions answered. What are we missing by not being under the preaching of God's Word tonight? What are we missing by, by not being under the preaching of God's Word on a, on a Wednesday night, uh, on, in the Sunday school hour, and so forth? We, we The, the, the charge is to the preacher to preach, but the preacher needs to preach to the people. Amen? It's that simple. And so I just want to challenge us as we look at this charge. It, it, the preachers have been charged to preach the Word. Therefore, the people uh, should be charged to be in attendance to hear the Word that is preached. Uh, I remind you, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10 and verse 25 not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so the author of Hebrews uh, challenges God's people not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It is not the assembly as in a noun. It's the assembling as in a verb. Amen. I learned something going through the paces over the last few weeks there in the school. Amen. And so the assembly often is, is a local church body. But assembling—that that's an action. The Bible says, "Whenever the church is assembling, we shouldn't forsake that." Hey, man, we shouldn't forsake that. But rather, we should be in church so much the more as we see the day approaching. Do we not believe that we're in the last of the last days? If we do, then we should not forsake the assembling. Hey, man, and we can exhort one another. Here's the thing: often people say, "Well, I'll just stay home and read my Bible, and I'll be encouraged," and and that's great. You should at home read your Bible. Amen. But um, you're just exhorting yourself whenever you stay at home and, and do your own thing. When you come to church, you exhort others, even just with your presence, just by being there and and smiling and and shaking a hand and and asking a person how they're doing and, and that sort of thing. Just the presence of a person alone is encouraging. Amen. It, it truly is. I remember when we were in Taos, some. Um, there came a time whenever, I shared the story before, whenever it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and just five people in church, and one of them was a, was a baby still, and, and that sort of thing. And I remember as, as we began to go, I went before the Lord, and I said, God, I hope I'm not being superficial or carnal, but I'm tired of preaching to empty pews. Could you please bring... Uh, some people and, and we'd go out and we were door knocking, we were inviting people to church we, all these different things, witnessing to people, sharing the gospel but just people weren't coming and I said God please don't let me preach to empty pews and I'll say this much, God answered that prayer for me and there was often times whenever we'd be in church and I'd look around and just be, even years later I'd look around and just be me and Eileen and, and the kids and Miss McJunkins would be there and Brother Mike would show up and I'd say man where's everybody else at and all of a sudden a crew from Texas us to come in and they say we're on vacation and they'd bring like 10 people to church and I always had somebody to preach to and it was always encouraging just to to talk to somebody just just to fellowship with God's people And, and let me say this, you being here does matter It is encouraging. It is encouraging to other people. And so we need to be faithful in the assembling of God's people here in the local church. But as we consider this charge, Paul told Timothy, I charge you to preach the word. And so if he's going to preach the word, then there needs to be some people to preach it too. And as we consider that thought, our pastor has been given this same charge. We should be faithful to listening to the preaching of the word of God. Let me say this. It says, preach the word in verse 2. Be instant in season and out of season. Uh, you know, it's the responsibility of the preacher to always be ready to preach. Let me just add this, though. You as a Christian, um, every single Christian, I believe, ought to be a witness for the Lord. We always ought to be ready to, to give the gospel as well. Every single one of us. Some people say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism, or I'm kind of shy, or I get nervous, and, and this and that. Those things don't matter when it comes to sharing the gospel. We, we need to be ready to, to give the gospel at all times, and, and you see that the, the readiness be instant in season and out of season there. Uh, the other day, um, there was some miscommunication um, about uh, going to El Rito. And uh, I was expected to go to El Rito, and and I wasn't at El Rito. Hey, man, I, I didn't get the memo on that, and and uh, brother. Uh, the car was there and he had to give the lesson and he told he told me afterwards you taught me a good lesson on being instant in season and out of season hey man I said all of us had had to have that experience in our life one time I was in a in a church in California down in Riverside and a friend of mine from Bible College his dad was the pastor of that church and uh, so I went to go visit him and I wanted to visit my friend and go to his dad's church it was a church plant and and you know I've been praying about church planting so I wanted to see what a church plant was like and so there everywhere in church and and the pastor came up and and he said you going to bible college and i said yes sir you know how you are whenever you're in bible college training for the ministry you know you hold your bible the right way and yes sir yes sir and all that kind of nerdy look there that you got going on and there it was yes sir yes sir and, and he said um you called to preach and i said yes sir and he said all right and he went and did his thing and there we were and everyone was singing they had a special music and he said we got a preacher boy that's training to be in the ministry and my preacher did this to me and i'm going to do do it to you brother Stefan. come up and preach to us and just called me right from the pews, and I had to get up and preach, and, and that sort of thing. And afterward, he said, "You, you need to be instant in season, out of season, and all that." And it was it was a blessing. They 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 took us to dinner that night. We went to Coco's and had some banana cream pie. Hey man, but uh, instant in season and out of season, the Bible says. And then it goes on to say, um, "Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine." The, the the manner of preaching that is to be given is preaching. That challenges us. Now, I understand sometimes we need to be comforted in preaching. There's been times when I've gone to, to conferences and I've been discouraged and I needed God to speak to me and I wanted to quit and all these different things like that. And God, through the preaching of His Word, met my needs and, and helped me. But, but as, as you consider the idea and the thought of how He's to preach, the preaching involved rebuking. See, see, we live in a day and age where everyone wants the exhortation, but they don't want the rebuke. They want the, the good news, but they don't want the bad news. And, and I always say this, uh, um, you can't get right with God until you realize, where well, you're wrong with God. Amen? It's that simple. And if we want to be right with God, we have to recognize the faults that are in our life. Uh, just the other day, we were out, uh, Brother Dave and, and Brother Don and, and I and the girls uh, went to go visit and, and met a lady. We were able to lead her to the Lord. And, and as I began to share the gospel with this woman, I told her, I'm going to tell you the gospel. And the gospel means good news. But the good news is only good when you're in a bad situation. So let me tell you the bad first... And then I'll tell you the good. And I explain death and sin and hell and the lake of fire and so forth. And and as you look at that, uh, you know, we we want the good. uh, We want to be encouraged. And yes, we need that encouragement. But the Bible says that the preacher is to preach in a way that rebukes and and in a way that uh, reproves, the Bible says. It corrects and so forth. In fact, if, if you read further up in chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, For correction, for instruction in righteousness and doctrine, that's what's right, amen? Um, Reproof, that's what's wrong. um, Then it says a correction, that's how to get it right, amen? And for instruction in righteousness, that's how to keep it right. There you see that there's uh, things people... Sin and false doctrine needs to be confronted, and so that's part of the charge of the preacher. So when pastor gets up and preaches the word, and you say, "I don't like the way um, that 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 it, you know that that rubbed me the wrong way." Someone once said, "If it rubs you the wrong way, then turn the cat around." Amen. And so we need to make some things right here. And so you see that that is part of the charge of the preacher. And so we as God's people need to take that rebuke and take that correction and take that uh, encouragement to. To do what's right, but in order to do what's right, the wrong has to be exposed. And so you see that there, that he's, he's challenging him there, that he would preach the word in a way that would guide us in truth. It says there, chapter 4, verse 2 again, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. And doctrine. It's interesting that the exhortation and the, all that, uh, the, the reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering um, there. Um, you know, often a preacher, um, they, they, they suffer long with us amen they suffer long with us and and we have the same issue and the same problem we come again preacher pray for me i messed up and it's the same area and the preacher just so long suffering and and a shepherd that'll just guide and and nurture and try to care for god's people but uh, you see that there and, and I, that, that's the attributes of a pastor and let me say this uh, i don't want to make my preacher suffer long amen uh, let, let's get some things right here and so you see there um, with all long suffering And doctrine, again, there's the idea of that which is right. And so you see this charge of Timothy, and as we consider the thought of finishing strong, we have to recognize the importance of preaching in our lives. The importance of preaching in our lives. And I said this in Sunday school about a month ago, and I'll say it here. Before there ever was internet preaching, before there ever were podcast preaching uh, sermons before there ever was internet ministry and and radio ministry and and television ministry if you were going to get preaching you had to go to the local church to get preaching that that was god's plan and let me say this i'm thankful that there's videos on the internet that you can listen to sermons and watch preachers and all that sort of thing i've learned from the internet but i'll say this much i'm not going to let a person online take the place of my pastor It shouldn't be that way. And so we need to recognize the fact that uh, we, we need to get under preaching and under the preaching of the pastor that God has given to us. That's the charge. Then we see, secondly, his concern. You look there, verse number three. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And so you have the charge to preach the word, but you have the concern that there's going to be false doctrine. There's going to be false doctrine. it says there that they will not endure sound doctrine. This is the time that word endure is mentioned in a negative context. And it's regarding those who can't handle sound doctrine now there's been times whenever we've gone out and we've gone visiting and we've talked with people and and people will have these uh, emotional experiences that they have and I try to balance and share the word of God with them and I'll tell them look just because one day you were on the road side of the road crying and all of a sudden you saw an angel there doesn't mean you got saved but that's not salvation and, and, and I, I wouldn't say to them that bluntly. I would try to be a little more you know, cautious with my words. But the point blank is this. An emotional experience isn't Bible salvation. And, and there's people out there That when you give them sound doctrine, they'd rather cling to their emotional experiences than listen to sound doctrine. And the Bible says that they they cannot endure sound doctrine, that, that they'd rather go back to their emotional experiences than to go to the Word of God. Now here's the thing, emotions change. They change throughout the day. Um, you could wake up grumpy, and then you get your bacon and coffee, and you're happy. Amen? The emotions change. We, we can't base things on our emotions. We, we can't. If I base things on my emotions, uh, we probably wouldn't be here, because every town we've ever driven through across the country, first thing I do is look and see how many churches are in this town. <coughs> Man, they need to plant a church in this town. They need to plant a church in this town. And it gets emotional. I want to, man, I want to start a church here and start a church there. But let me say this: emotions don't dictate how we serve God. Now we can have emotions in serving God, but they shouldn't dictate our service toward God. And often when people base their service on God on emotions, the fact is they cannot endure sound doctrine they just they won't endure it they'd rather base all these things on their emotional experience rather than what does the bible say i knew a preacher once that he had a camp and they're in arizona and they would open up the camp and a lot of people would come and and this guy ended up coming to the camp that was from a, a charismatic uh, Background, and, and he went to a, a charismatic uh, Bible college. And, and uh, to make a long story short, this young man wanted to talk to the pastor's daughter. And the pastor said, That's not going to happen. There's some doctrinal issues who we need to work through. And, and as the pastor began to talk with this man about uh, the doctrinal issues, the pastor told him in the beginning of the conversation, He said, You will agree with me in everything I'm about to share with you, but there's going to come a point when an experience will supersede what the Bible says. What are you going to do? Listen to the Bible? Will follow your experience. And the man said, I'm going to listen to my Bible. And so the pastor began to tell him about the, you know, the, the fallacy of the modern day tongues movement and, and the healing movement and, and all these different things that are there. And when it was all said and done, that young man ended up saying, yeah, but this happened to me. And he began to revert back to his emotional experiences. And the pastor said, didn't I tell you in the beginning of the conversation, you were going to go back to your emotions? And he said, you're right. And he says, what does the Bible say? And he began to teach him the Bible. He ended up leading that man to the Lord. He wasn't even saved. He went forward and in front of a church and uh, they were you know supposedly filled with the holy ghost and somebody slapped him in the head and slayed him in the spirit and he fell down and he said that's when he got saved and that wasn't when he got saved that that isn't bible salvation at all and this man ended up calling on the lord and getting saved and he began to grow in the ministry and so forth and he baptized him got him a king james bible the whole 9 yards and this man got right with god and got right in his doctrine and eventually married the pastor's daughter amen and so the and he's still faithful to this day amen but, but you look at that, and that is a rare case. It is a rare case. Most people can endure sound doctrine. When the doctrine goes contrary to the emotional experiences, the doctrine goes out the window and the experience supersedes, and that is not biblical. And so Paul is concerned about this generation. You look at that there, it says um, again in verse number 3, For the time will come. When they will not endure sound doctrine. That idea, it's, it's a future event that would take place. It, granted, there were false prophets and false teachers during this time. He's telling him the time will come. So it's going to get worse at the end, if you would. And then it says they cannot, will not endure sound doctrine. It says, but after their own lusts, so they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Isn't it interesting that Paul told Timothy to preach the word, but we find them going after teachers. Now let me say this. I'm thankful for teaching. I'm thankful that we could open a Bible and teach one-on-one. You see that there in the Bible. Jesus said, teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I understand teaching has its proper place, but teaching should never take the place of preaching, and we live in a day and age where people would rather go to church, and, and if it is considered, quote, preaching, all it is, is nothing more than motivational speech, and ten steps on this and that, and it's not Bible preaching, but more often than not, uh, people will, will listen to teachers, and they won't listen to preachers. Preaching confronts. That's the real issue. Preaching confronts false doctrine. Preaching confronts sin. Preaching is confrontational, whereas teaching isn't so much that. And so they would rather go to teachers and they'd rather get their ears scratched. They want a feel-good sermon. And Paul's concerned that Timothy, uh, that he he didn't want him to go down that route. Not that he doubted Timothy. He's just warning him, hey, there is this path and you shouldn't go down that path, young Timothy. And so he tells him there, and it says further on in verse 4, and they shall Turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Isn't that interesting? Unto fables. They, they knew the truth, but they turned away from it to fables. You know, it's, it's interesting to think that a person has to be taught atheism. You're not born an atheist. Amen? You're, you're, a person has to be taught Atheism. A person has to be taught a lot of different things there that are against the truth. And, and you look at it in the Big Bang Theory, and I like how Mr. Kent Hovind uh, said it one time, nothing exploded and here we are. Amen? When nothing explodes, nothing happens because there's nothing to explode. And so you see that there, but just the thought of the theory, quote, and let me just say this, it's still a theory of evolution, but, but It's a fable. It's a fable. Is a fable, and you see all these other fables that are out there, <coughs> and you see that they turn from the truth to fables. When I think of fables, I think of bedtime stories. Amen. I think of of things that aren't true, just little stories that you tell your kids before you, they go to bed so they have good dreams. Amen, and that sort of thing. That's the idea of fables, just a feel-good uh, message there, and that's what it says that they will turn to. So he's concerned about that, and, and we don't have time for it, but uh, you, you read throughout First Timothy, and you read here in Second Timothy, you, you read in the book of Titus, you, you read in the book of Second Peter, um, the, the end days, particularly the end days and the turning from truth that happens in the latter days and so Paul is concerned uh, with Timothy so as we look at this thought as we think about finishing strong uh, uh, one we we need to recognize the concern uh, excuse me the the charge that Paul has been given or giving about preaching and we need to be under preaching if we're going to finish strong uh, we need to be under preaching amen if we're going to finish strong we need to recognize the same concern as Paul um, had and that is that there are false teachers that are out there and we need to be aware of those false teachers amen if we're going to finish strong we We need to know the difference between right and wrong, between a truthful preacher and a false prophet there if we're going to finish strong because what we feed ourselves will affect whether or not we finish. There's a term in in computer terminology and it's called "gigo." garbage in, garbage out. Amen? You put the garbage in long enough, it's going to start coming out. You need to make sure you're listening to truth. And so, I like it another way, though. You get the good in, and the good will come out. Amen? And so, what are we putting in to ourselves? And so, there is the, the, the charge of Timothy, the concern of Timothy, and we find the command of, uh, to Timothy in, in chapter 4, verse number 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make foolproof Of thy ministry. And so he he commands him to do some things. He he tells him there to watch and all things. And let me say this it is the responsibility of the pastor to to know what's going on in the ministry of a local church. And and as the Bible says in the book of Proverbs about a diligent person, that they would know the estate of their flock, they would know the state of their flock. And so pastor may have to deal with some things and and he may see some sin in your life or or, or a bad spirit or or something that's changed and a change in, in attitude and so forth. And he may say, hey, can I talk to you after church for a little bit and pull you aside and talk with you? What is he doing? He's listening to that command. That's what he's doing. He's making full proof of the ministry there. He, you see that it says that and watching all things. He, he is diligent, look, diligently looking through his flock and making sure that his sheep are, are moving forward in the ways of God. And So he's watching in all things. He's making full proof of the ministry. And then it says endure afflictions. Now, I just want to say this here today, that uh, there's enough afflictions from the world. We as God's people shouldn't afflict the men of God. Amen. We, we shouldn't bring affliction to the men of God. But we, we should honor them. The Bible says they're worthy of double honor. And so I'm thankful for our pastor. And this isn't a message to, to promote our pastor here, but I, I just see the relationship that's there. Whenever you, you look at a, a person who is faithful and stays faithful, uh, they, they, they're, they're able to take the correction of their pastor, and they're able to move forward and so forth. And so you see there, this command there. It says, do the work of an evangelist. is to preach the gospel. And then you see his cause, verse number 6. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Let me just ask you this evening, what is your cause in life? What is your purpose in life? I asked the teenagers this morning, what are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? You know, there's a lot of things I'm passionate about. I like to fish. Hey, man. That that's a, a, a thing of mine that I, I really enjoy. I, I like to cook meat. Hey, man, that's something I really enjoy. My first word was garnet. Hey, man, I like meat. And literally, garnet, not meat, Garnet. Hey, man, I like meat. Those are some things that I'm passionate about. I enjoy them. That They're a blessing to me and, and, and so forth. And I like to take people out on the river and show them how to fish and help them catch their first fish and things like that. We had a church camp once and we went with Brother Wooten up in the mountains there by Sipapu there in La Junta Canyon. And there's a little boy there and his dad came from the city and didn't know how to catch fish. And he said, Brother Montoya, can you help my son catch his first fish? And I said, we'll help him catch a fish, hey, amen. He's not just going to catch it. He's going to clean it and he's going to cook it and he's going to eat it and, and all that. And there he was and, and he had been out there for like two hours and, and nothing. And I said, I need to get back to help them cook. And and uh, before long, about maybe 20 minutes later, here he comes with his pole and, and there's a brown trout on there. And I got a fish, I got it. And it was about a 12-incher. It was a good size. And I said, all right, you're ready to clean it out. He says, I don't know how to do it. I said, here. And I had a fish that I already caught. I said, watch me. And I got my knife and cleaned it out and I gave it to him and, and he cleaned it out and, and he ripped out the guts and everything cut off the head and then he stuck a stick in there and roasted it over a fire and he ate it like a barbarian, amen, and, and he loved every bit of it, and I said all that to say this, that is a passion of mine it really is but we ought to be more passionate about the things of God, truly more passionate about the things of God than the things of this world the things of this world will pass away I used to be in kickboxing. I couldn't do it anymore. I would hurt myself. Amen. I'd die. I used to break dance. I wouldn't do it anymore. But even if I would, I couldn't do it anymore. I would hurt myself. I would break more than dance. Hey, man, I used to kickbox. And and it would be horrible if you threw me in the ring right now. I mean, it would be extremely bad. Those were things at one point that I was extremely passionate about. I mean, I would stay practicing till, till 1 o'clock in the morning. And then I would have to go to, to wrestling practice the next day before school and, and then after school and, and work out and all these different things. And I, I'd wake up. And I, as soon as i get out of bed, I'd do like 50 pull-ups. And and I do, you know, the little ab roller wheel that they have there. I do 50 of those in the morning, 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups. And then I get ready for school and then go to practice and and do that. And then I'd work out through the afternoon. I was passionate about it, just passionate about it. But then when God called me to preach, my passions changed. It truly did. And instead of staying up till 1 o'clock in the morning trying to learn a new breakdancing move... I was up to 1 o'clock in the morning trying to read the Bible and find different things in the Word of God. It just became a passion of mine. And you see, Paul, that he had this passion. He had this cause. And this cause was found in verse number 7. He says, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. What was his cause? He wanted to finish. For the Lord Jesus Christ, that was his cause. And let me just say this here. Uh, Some 2,000 years ago, Jesus hung on a cross and he he was there for my sins and for your sins. He wore a crown of thorns upon his head. He was whipped across his back. He was spat upon. He was uh, slapped in the face, uh, ripped the beard out of him. All these horrible things nailed to an old rugged cross, hung between heaven and earth and and paid the debt of my sin. And I want to say this here today. Uh, Jesus was a finisher. What were his words? It is Finished, amen? He he finished his race for us. And Paul is saying, I want to finish my race uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. If he could finish for me, I should finish for him. That was the heart of Paul. I have fought a good fight, amen? I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. That's his cause. And lastly, you find his crown. Verse number 8. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give um, me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. There was a crown for which he was striving. See, let me just say this, the crown wasn't for him. The crown was for the Lord, because there's going to come a day when we're going to take the crowns that God allowed us to, to earn on this earth. It's not going to make us any more saved or any less saved. It's just, if you serve the Lord and you do what's right, you will get some rewards in heaven. That's what the Bible teaches. We're going to take those crowns and we're going to cry out worthy is a lamb and we're going to take those crowns and we're going to cast them down at the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And, and he's going to get the glory that is due his name on that day. And he strove for that crown not because it was for him. He strove for that crown because he wanted to give it to his Savior. You see him striving for a crown there, and as I think about this, that was his crown. You know, as we consider these thoughts here, you know, there is a crown to be won. When I was uh, about seven, eight years old, my, my dad. Um, you know, he's a kickboxer, and I've shared the stories of my dad being a kickboxer, a world champion kickboxer. At that, he went to Tokyo, Japan, and won the world title there. Um, he went three times. He lost the first two times and won on the third time. Talk about not quitting, hey, amen. That that's just you know, just it's always been embedded in me. Don't be a quitter, hey, man? My dad's way of thinking in kickboxing was. Um, the only way you're going to beat me is if you knock me out. Otherwise, I'm going to knock your head off. I mean, that's the way my dad taught and thought uh, whenever he was in kickboxing. I'm going to tear you up. You have to knock me out. Otherwise, you are going down. That, that's how my dad was in the ring. That's how he fought. And so I remember my dad had, I was, I, I was about... Um, Two years old when he came back from Japan. I don't remember that. I remember all the trophies and I remember the title belt that he had and all these different things. And he went back out again and defended the title. And he traveled around the world and um fighting and defending this title. And he eventually got into Muay Thai, which which is a different form of boxing or kickboxing. And uh, it's not you know boxing is just with your hands and knees and kickboxing is your hands and er, boxing just with your hands. Kickboxing is with your hands and your feet. Muay Thai you can grab them and elbow them in the face and knee them and and all these. It's, it's, and if you're not not laying flat on the ground, they can still hit you. First time my dad ever fought Muay Thai, he slipped on the ground, fell on his hands and knees, and he thought, oh, I can get a break. The guy was tearing him up, and the guy from the middle of the ring jumped across him, boom, kicked him in the head and knocked him out, and that sort of thing. That that day he did get his head knocked off um, whenever that happened, but uh, one of the very few fights that he did lose, but he determined that he was going to be a champion. In Muay Thai, after he lost horribly after that match. And he became the North American Muay Thai champion whenever I was seven years old. I remember he fought a man by the name of Joe Masso who had held the title. And it was at West Mesa High School. And there was this big ring. And I remember I was sitting about the first or second row there. And it was just a couple of rounds in. And my dad was a left-handed fighter, so he had an advantage. People weren't used to left-handed fighters. And so he was fighting this man. And as he was fighting this man, um, my dad had this spinning back fist that he would do. And, and he came in and came around him. Boom! Just right there. Just knocked him. And the guy um, started going down. And remember, if they're not laying on the ground, you can still hit them. And so my dad grabbed the man... And then he grabbed the rope and just laid into him, started kneeing the man in the head as hard as he could. I mean, he's fighting for the title. I mean, this is like extremely brutal. And he just kneed the guy, kneeing the guy. And finally, the ref calls it and he ripped the guy's eye like right there where the eyelid is. Like he ripped it across to the head like the flesh was hanging out. And he was just knocked out laying on the ground, just blood dripping and everything else. And, and my dad was so excited to win. Now, here's the thing. Yes, it was for a title. He wanted to win that title. But my dad told me later on the reason he fought so hard was because I was on the front row there watching my dad fight. His crown wasn't to win that title. His crown was to win for his boy. And I remember I started cheering, and I ran up and to the ring, and I was cheering, and my dad picked me up, and they, they gave him the title, and they gave the title to my dad, and my dad took the title and gave it to me, and he picked me up on his shoulders, and as he lifted me up, I lifted up his title there, and that ring, and, and just the, the, the pride and joy my father had that he won for his boy. He, there was a crown that he was after. It wasn't that little title belt that he was going after. He saw his son there. He didn't want to let his son down. And there was something from within that caused him to fight so hard. And I want to say this here today, that we have a crown to win. Amen. We, we, we have a Savior to please. We have a God that loved us and gave us his only begotten son. I want to please that God that loved me. I want to please that Savior that died on the cross for me, who gave it all for me. I want to give it all for him, as it's been said in sports. Leave it all on the field. Amen. When I get to heaven, I don't want to say that I held anything back. I want to give it all for God why one of these days we'll get that crown and we'll take those crowns and we'll give them back to our savior and thank him for all that he did for us and and for how he saved us from our sins and saved us out of a devil's hell and gave us eternal life and gave us a new life in Christ and forgave us of all our sins and with gratitude we can take those crowns and say thank you Jesus thank you Jesus that was his crown I want to give that crown to my savior so I challenge us tonight Are we going to finish? Are we going to finish strong? That was Paul's concern, that he would finish strong and that Timothy would finish strong. And so just in review quickly, we have the charge. We have the concern. We have the command. We have the cause. We have the crown. Are we going to finish? By God's grace and his strength, we can be a finisher for the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, as we come to you, Lord, I thank you for the example of Paul the Apostle. God, I thank you for the fact that he finished, and Lord, it's because you finished. We couldn't do any of this without your help, Lord, without the salvation that you provided. God, help us, I pray, to be finishers. Finishers for you, that we would strive for that crown. God, that we would strive lawfully, as your word says. We wouldn't cut corners. God, we wouldn't compromise God, we would strive lawfully and God, we would earn that crown so that one day we can give it back to you because you deserve all glory, all honor and all praise. God, help us to finish. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, please stand to your feet. As the piano begins to play, who would come down to an old-fashioned altar and say, God, by your grace, I want to finish. God, by your help, I'm going to finish. God wants single one of you to be a finisher and you can finish but there has to be commitment there must be commitment it doesn't happen on accident my dad becoming a champion didn't happen on accident there has to be diligence there has to be work are we going to finish for the lord use you god wants to enable you god wants to empower you god has great plans for you but you have to be committed to that calling you have to be committed to that cause are you going to finish by god's help you can some of the best words we could hear for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. In order to hear well done, we must do well. Are we doing well? Are we committed to the Lord? that a blessing and uh, the life of Paul the Apostle and uh, finishing